Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 379 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And on today's show, we've got Jacob Barker from Dauber Prospects for a full recap of the Senators offseason. We wanted to get another take on it, and he came with some fire. He also gave us a prospect to keep our eye on for next year's draft just saying he plays the exact style that the Sens went with this year. So fun conversation coming up with Jacob. We also have Austin Matthews on the NHL cover again. And Scott Wheeler did his 2018 redraft. We've been hard on Scott for his evaluations of Sens prospects. So we'll let you know where Brady Kachuk re-ranks. And is JBD left off the list? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Friday, August 20th in Pilsy. I'm not going to get NHL 22. Just straight boycott, eh? Not doing it. It's enough. Here's the thing. Why? Like, if they could explain why Austin Matthews needs to be on the cover again after only one year in between, then maybe I would hear them out. But there's so many other marketable players that should have had a chance to be on the cover. Not that that's like, maybe it's not as the same high honor as being on the Madden cover or something like that, but it's still a big deal because all all hockey guys get into playing NHL on Xbox or PlayStation. And like for them to do Austin Matthews again is it seems like a cop out. Like the marketing team just decided to take the year off. Yeah, it seems that way. Although he is a marketable American star playing on the Toronto Maple Leaf. So I get all that. But there's 300 players in the National Hockey League. There's 300 players. So you got to think there's got to be someone else that they could do. But that being said, spin zone. There's only been one, two, I'm looking at it right now, only two of the last 15 cover athletes have made it past the first round of the playoffs that year. How's that for a little je ne sais quoi to having Austin Matthews again? So Patrick Kane in 2010 won the Stanley Cup that year. Beyond that, only Vladimir Tarasenko made it out of the first round, and that was used on the cover of NHL 2017. So, I mean, and when you're getting to Tarasenko, don't get me wrong, good player, but you're not necessarily only taking the biggest and brightest stars on the cover. And this is a same cover that's never had Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. The list goes on and on. There's so much talent out there in the National Hockey League. It just seems like a missed opportunity to shine the light a different direction. Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl. There's so many guys, and it just seems like, uh, how about Victor Hedman? A two-time reigning Stanley Cup champion, Nikita Kucherov. All these guys on Tampa Bay Lightning, shouldn't they be celebrated for going back-to-back? No, I, I think uh, you mentioned it. It's a shame. Like, how has Sidney Crosby not been on the cover of one of these games? That is absolutely ridiculous. Like, they yeah. should have, like, they went Ovechkin last year. Why not follow it up with Crosby this year? I think that would have been perfect. Ovi was also a two-time cover athlete. 
We got to give him that. But he won a cup in between. When was he the cover of another? He was, he was 07. He was the first. Oh, year yeah. The, the right. Yeah, that's when uh, it was still on PSP. That was the last uh, <laughs> PSP version. I actually totally forgot about that. So, yeah, double athlete there as well. But but that was like over a span of like a decade, not two seasons. Yeah, even more. It was uh, 14 years. But Pillsy, yeah. goalie friendly show. Can we get some Tendy love on the cover? Broder was the last one, right? Broder, 2014. And then you have to go all the way back to the OG. Now, you talk about what console. This was Nintendo console. <laughs> John Van Beesbrook nice. on the cover of 97, the year after that improbable Florida Panthers run to the Stanley Cup final. But, hey, whatever. It's a video game, and it's probably going to be the same game it's been for the last yeah, five for years straight. Update the rosters and call it a day. But... It's just kind of like, ugh, again, man, come on. What was the first cover of the first NHL game you got? The Mine sticks in my head. Well, very my, mine was Van Beesbro. That was your first one? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, mine was uh, Pronger, and I got it on PS1. What a what a game. Oh, my God. I'm pretty are sure that sure was, it was that 99 man. or 2000? 2000, but are we sure okay. it wasn't? He was on the cover of NHL Hits, too. That was a sick Yeah, the, they need to bring that back, or at least have that uh, as part of the game modes in the newest NHL, because Hits was sick. They're just waiting for Tyler Clevin to make it to the league, and then they're going to have right up there. Exactly. Hey, speaking of those two guys, we got into all of the offseason with Jacob Barker. So what do you say we get to that sooner rather than later? And on the other side, we'll discuss Scott Wheeler. Another rankings. Uh-oh. Look out. Uh, so we'll discuss. Uh, Scott Wheeler did his 2018 redraft. And I don't think Sens fans will be too upset where Brady Kachuk lands on that list. At least I would bet on that. But when I want to bet on sports or any sorts of wagers, I go to betonline.ag. The NFL season is right around the corner. Why not fine-tune your wagering on preseason action? You can find that this weekend at betonline.ag. And hey, NHL futures are out as well if you want to sprinkle a little bit on the Sens making a push for the playoffs. But the bottom line is that you're in the action. And to get our welcome bonus, all you have to do is follow these simple instructions. So on your mobile device or your website desktop, just head over to betonline.ag. There you can create a free account. And when you do, use our promo code Locked On. It's very simple. Promo code locked on for 50% off on a welcome bonus. So guess what? You put in $200, bingo, bango, bongo, $100 immediately right into your account. You put in $100, that's 50 free play dollars right there for you. Now you have to bet it to win it to earn it, but that's okay because you're in the action. So don't sit on the sidelines. Go to betonline.ag and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, here he is from Dauber Prospects, Jacob Barker. All right, we're now very pleased to welcome a special guest to the show. It's from Dauber Prospects. You know, our best friend of the show comes from there, and now he's handing over the reins. It's Jacob Barker covering the Ottawa Senators. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ross? fantastic man it's great to have you on the show we've been going back and forth on twitter for a while now and great timing you just put out your 32 and 32 where dauber's taking a look at each and every team across the national hockey league what was your main takeaway from writing this article 
Well, it was an interesting one for sure. Just kind of looking at the Ottawa off season, because as you're all pretty aware, it's been relatively quiet. There's always been rumblings of Ottawa's going to go acquire a top six forward. Ottawa's going to get this big guy. Ottawa's going to be in on something. And it just really hasn't happened, even with our RFAs. Like nothing, we've heard nothing on the front with Kachuk or Batherson. And it's all just kind of been a waiting game. We're just waiting for one thing to drop right now. And it just hasn't happened. So I was waiting. I waited a long time to finally submit my article because I'm like, I, I can't submit this early because. And like knowing me, I'm going to submit it, then Kachok's going to resign and then it's going to be outdated already. So I'm waiting and uh, I ended up just going with it at the last minute. I was like, I, I can't wait any longer. It looks like Dorian's going to wait this one out for a bit. So I can't, but it was a fun article to write. I think there's a lot uh, that happened, at least that kind of speaks to what the Sens are trying to do as an organization, just with playing that physical tough style of hockey. Uh, every I said at the beginning of my article, but every move that we made seems to be done with a purpose. And this purpose is to play this annoying, gritty, physical style of hockey that every single team is just going to hate playing against for 82 games, let alone if they have to see it in a playoff series. So like, I think that's the fun part of the offseason, just kind of piecing together how this team is actually going to look. But uh, yeah, we're still waiting for a few big pieces or big dominoes to fall here, uh, at least hopefully before training camp. Yeah, we, we can definitely appreciate the nervousness of putting content out and then having it being outdated immediately. We're very used to that. We've that done, never happens to <laughs> us, man. Come we've on. done re-records. We've had to throw full hour episodes in the garbage. So <laughs> we, we feel your pain there, Jacob. Now, my question to you is, what do you think the next move is going to be? Like, do you think it's going to come at uh, an RFA re-signing or do you think it's going to be external? Like, how do you think, what will trigger what? You know what I mean? Like, is a, a Kachuk extension going to trigger some other off-season moves or are some other off-season moves going to happen in waiting for the Kachuk extension? It's kind of tough. I've been pondering that for sure over the past week or so. I'm like, cause they've been pretty open with the fact that they are going to try to acquire another top six forward. So I would lean towards Kachuk and Batherson getting re-signed prior to what we see happening with that movement. Um, but that being said, like the rumors are spreading, I don't want to spread too much, but like the rumors are spreading that Kachuk is just waiting to figure out whether like we're going to be able to, spend money in the future in order to re-sign long-term. So I feel like Kachuk's just waiting until he figures that out from Melnick and who knows on Melnick's deadlines, whether that's going to end up being right before training camp, uh, whether that's going to be in the next week or so. So I'm still leaning towards that happening first. And then I think once Kachuk happens, Batherson will happen almost immediately. I think those are going to happen pretty quickly uh, to each other. And then from there on, I don't, I just don't know what the market is. They might be waiting to see what happens with Eichel right now. Like Eichel's the big fish. I saw his tweet yesterday, his little eye roll, which is hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, that's a funny one to he's see. He's a man of few words. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, and you can tell he is not happy right now in his current scenario. So uh, I think they're probably waiting. Like that's the one thing that's kind of holding the market back right now, seeing what Eichel's doing, what he's going for. Uh, if we're involved in something similar uh, with that, I've heard the name Ryan Strom get thrown around a lot for us. Uh, was it Max Domi was the other one that was getting tossed around uh, with Ottawa? Like guys like that, that uh, maybe, maybe don't have the same price tag as Eichel, but I uh, can play inside the top six complimentary role. So 
I'm going to say that Kachuk and Batherson are going to fall first, but that could also age pretty poorly if we end up uh, grabbing a top six before that. Well, the rumors are with Andre Svechnikov that he's about to agree to an eight-year deal, but we've seen a lot of reluctance for RFAs to go that full term. And what's, I think, giving a lot of sense fans solace is it's not just Brady Kachuk that needs a new contract. You look around the National Hockey League, especially at West in Vancouver, where they need to sign their two best players in Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes right now. And then Kirill Kaprizov, the reigning rookie of the year. He still needs a contract. So there are a lot of moving parts. I think we discussed last week, Pilsy, the top four picks in that 2018 draft. Darlene, Kotkaniemi, Sveshnikov, and Kachuk, all unsigned right now. How many of those guys do you think make it to camp without a contract, Jacob? Because you got to think at some point, yeah, holdout's great and all, but it's going to affect the team at the, uh, the second they step on the ice. A hundred percent. I would be surprised if any of them made it to training camp without a contract. I feel like they're eventually, it's the same deal. It's like once with RFAs, you see it often, right? Like there's no rush with these contracts. They're the rights are owned. You know, they're not actually going anywhere and offer sheets not happening. Like the, you know, what's going to happen. It's just a matter of negotiating the correct deal. And most of the time it's either negotiating whether you're staying long-term or whether you're going to sign some sort of bridge, either keep your RFA status or uh, sign it right to your UFA opportunity and then leave for the open market. Uh, so I find, I, I'd say like once one goes, the other, the others will start to fall as well. Like it happened last year uh, with all those guys that were RFAs and I would likely see the same, uh, but yeah, I, it, it definitely is a little more nerve wracking as sense fans. I find just because of almost the lack of trust in ownership to actually do it. Uh, like you just start to feel a little bit nervous. He's like, remember the Mark Stone time when we were wondering whether he's going to resign or if he's going and like, as much as Brady Kachuk will be an Ottawa Senator to start the year, same with Drake Batherson, it just gets you a little on edge to just know like what's going to end up happening. Like you see like, Oh, Brady Kachuk signed for three years or four years. It's like, Oh, that's not good. Like that's not what we'd want to see. Cause you know, that's probably not going to turn out well for us at the end. But if he signs his eight year then or seven or whatever, whatever he ends up signing, then I think our nerves will go down a lot, but it's all up in the air with that. And yeah, I think the dominoes are going to start to fall pretty quickly with the RFAs, especially with training camp, just right around the corner. Yeah. And especially with how important uh, these RFAs to their team, like not only are they important on the ice, but the, all of these guys are kind of like, their team's identity, like up and coming identity. So it, it would just be so bizarre for them not to be on the ice at training camp. Now you talked about it with uh, Batherson and Brady Kachuk with their extensions. Do you think they will get long-term deals done or do you think, are you more inclined to believe that Brady and or Batherson will sign bridge deals here? I would ideally have Brady Kachuk long-term Batherson I understand maybe a little bit of a shorter term one um, from his perspective and from an Ottawa perspective. I've heard rumors of him going three, four years, almost like a, a prove it contract. And then he can make it make more money is basically it. So uh, Batherson, again, he's like, I'm, we all know he's legit. He's a great player uh, he's inside the top six and he's a big piece of our core. Uh, but if he wants to get paid a lot, then he'd probably have to take, a shorter term deal and then hope to make big money in a few years uh, after he has a bit of a larger sample size in the NHL. Uh, Kachuk's earned a long-term deal already uh, just with not even just his on ice production, but just off ice. He's got to be captain. Like I, it's got to happen eventually. 
Uh, so like he's he's earned it, and I think that's a, it's important to lock him up long term. But yeah, Drake again, ideally, I'd be looking at something around the three four year term where he's able. If I'm him, I'm looking for something three to four years, six mil, six, like around some, something good. And then uh, if I'm if you do well, the nice prove a contract, you're going to make a lot of money in your next one. That's your that's your big money deal. And then if not, then that's that's it. You'll probably be around that for the rest of your life. Then at that point. Well, let's hope he sticks with all the other Nova Scotia talent where it seems like you look at Marshand and McKinnon, the Crosby, just guys who have always been on team-friendly contracts and guys who haven't been scared to sign with terms. So maybe if you can bump that up to five, six, seven years. I mean, just from watching him in Belleville, Pilsy and I being in the arena for, what, 40 of his games down there, and he is just electric. The The power to his game, I think, sometimes goes a little um, you know, unnoticed because he brings so much else with his playmaking and finishing ability. But his uh, his um, you know drive to the net and, and first in on forecheck can't be undervalued when you're looking at what he brings to a top six in the NHL going forward at the ripe age of 23 right now. Seems like a great time to you know maybe buy a few extra years at a lower cost than when he does inevitably explode at this upcoming season or next. I mean, you don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, but it seemed like whatever line he was on, was the line that was clicking. He had great chemistry with Stutzla, but then when he was put up with Kachuk and Norris, he fit in seamlessly there. So you need those guys that can play wherever in the lineup. And between him and Connor Brown, that right side really has a few of those. Now, the forwards, it seems like they're going to run it back to how they finished up after the trade deadline, but there were a couple additions on the back end. I should say Dadnov out. That opens up one roster spot up front. Is it Logan Brown's to take? Who knows? But on the back end, they did bring in a couple bodies, Nick Holden and Michael Delzato. How do you see the decor shaking out going into next season? I think it definitely adds some depth to our into our back line, which can very much be used. I think uh, Shabbat, we saw it last year, played way too much. Uh, for his time, he was the only defenseman most of the time, especially before they started playing Branstrom and Zub on a consistent basis. Uh, but I think it, it definitely adds to a little bit more stability uh, on the back end. So I think Delzato, they do value as a top four defenseman, whether he uh, will step up to the plate or not. It looks like uh, he'll start the season out behind Shabbat on that second pairing. Uh, and then Nick Holden's just a, a classic Senators DJ Smith hockey player. Uh, that's going to play physical defensive player, uh, reliable on the back line or in the back line. He was healthy, scratched a few times in Vegas, but we're also talking about Vegas. Like it's a lot of, a lot of depth on that team. I think Holden will take his opportunity in Ottawa really well. And I think he slots onto that third pairing. If we need, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Holden in the press box every now and then with the, especially with Victor Mete uh, playing fantastic in Ottawa. Uh, since he came over on waivers from Montreal, which is still a joke to me, when I saw that he got put on waivers in the first place, I said, "This we got to we got to take him," and we did. And that was the first time I think in a while I was like, "Oh wow, we did something that like since Twitter was advocating for right off the bat." So uh, that was that was awesome to see. So I think it adds a depth because we know really quickly like one guy gets hurt and all of a sudden we we're looking slim, right? So at least having the guy that we can. Uh, rely on to play minutes if Shabak goes down or even if like Delzato has to miss some time. Anyone has to miss time for any reason. We have other guys who can fill in and be reliable at the NHL level. So I do really like those additions. I think the right side's solid. Um, I think Zaitsev, Zub are that top four to start. I'd like to see Bernard Docker get some opportunities this year. Again, 
maybe not full-time. Like I'd like to see him play most of the season in the AHL because he did look pretty uncomfortable in the NHL last year and his limited sample size to be fair. Uh, but I'd like to see him get some opportunities and then we'll see what ends up happening with that. Like it's expectations for the year are a little bit all over the place, but if we're, if we're getting better, if we're on a slow in like a slow incline, I think we'll, we'll take that, but the, yeah, the back line should still be solid and Jake Sanderson should be playing for us in April. So that'll help as well. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, if you're looking at the roster, the back end looks a little bit more promising than the forward core right now, just uh, with the way things are shaping up. But one guy you didn't mention there, which I'm curious to get your opinion on is Eric Brandstrom. Like this is such an interesting time in his career. Like, do you think he's going to start the year in Belleville or with the NHL team? Or how do you think that's going to work? Just because we talked about it on our, on our show with all these guys up front, like if you're going to send a guy down, everyone's going to need waivers except for Eric Brandstrom. So that makes him a movable guy. But at the same time, like this guy doesn't have much more to prove in Belleville. Like he needs to be in, in the NHL, but then you run into another problem where DJ Smith doesn't like having two small undersized puck moving defensemen in his decor. So how does Brandstrom fit in all this uh, jumbled nonsense on the back end there? It Brandstrom is really, really challenging for me when I when I look because I really like his game and I feel almost like I like we need him to turn out as a franchise because of what we gave up to get him like losing Mark Stone and that I think even at the peak of Brandstrom's play I still think that losing Mark Stone I get it he wanted out he's going to go to Vegas I understand you get the best return that uh, that you get with that but like losing a guy like Mark Stone's always going to hurt. So when you look at Brandstrom, I still think he can be a star and he could very well have a massive breakout season this year if given the opportunity. But I just don't like we've, we've seen it before. He just doesn't look like a DJ Smith guy. He doesn't like DJ Smith just doesn't like him. He doesn't want to play him on the off wing, which is where or on the like on his offside, which is where he wants to play or he has played before. It just seems like a struggle between coaching staff and Brack and Brandstrom. And like, if he's not, if he's in the lineup, he's on the left behind Shabbat. And if he's not, like if he can't play there, he's not playing. It seems to be the the problem that we, that we have here. And he hasn't really gotten an opportunity to do anything otherwise. Like we haven't been creative with them. It's not like we're trying our hardest as it, I, I said, we, it's not like the coaching staff is trying their hardest to find a way to get him into the lineup. It's, you're in this situation. And if you're not here, you're not playing. So in that case, like I'd rather him play in Belleville than be in the press box. But at the same time, he's more than proven it in Belleville. Like that's just game time at this point where he's just going to rack up points. He doesn't belong in Belleville anymore. He needs to be at the big club, Uh, but I left him out just because I'm personally not convinced that he's going to be a Senator come the start of this year. I've like, you've you've heard the the rumblings. He's, like more, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the piece going back in the top six acquisition for a forward. I don't want that to happen. I think that would be a waste of an asset, especially because he didn't ever really get an opportunity to do much with Ottawa. Uh, but if he's not, I'll be happy. I just I want to see him get his opportunity here in Ottawa. And I just don't think we've put him in a position yet to know what we're actually getting for him to succeed. Yeah, for a long enough sample size, right? He had his best hockey playing with Artem Zub in the top four. Before that, his most common partners were Ron Hainsey and Erica Branson. So what are you really learning about this kid when you're putting him with two guys who are 
not mobile to say the least. So to have him with a guy who he's comfortable with, it makes no sense to me why he wouldn't start the year beside like this is the the perfect year to do it because as of next year it's going to be like that uh, verbal meme here but with toy story where they get rid of the old toy and they look at the new one when jake sanderson turns pro eric branstrom's going to be in the rearview mirror for a lot of sense fans saying those minutes that we were really hounding the coaching staff for to give branstrom now you want jake sanderson getting those so right now it's the perfect year to see what you have in eric branch but not only that but you have an open spot in the top four. If you are going to trade him, why not showcase him beside your most reliable defensive defenseman? So from that standpoint, I'm not sure because Pierre Dorian has been on record as saying he loves Eric Brandstrom, but then they turn around and give DJ Smith a contract extension, which was earned in my opinion, but then you're kind of caught in the middle of what's going on. So the franchise, a very, very curious storyline that we're going to follow throughout training camp that opens in less than a month. But if we rewind about a month, it's the NHL draft. And also in your 32 and 32, you went over each and every one of the Senators picks. I'm sure Pilsy will ask you to dive into each one. But my question is just your general overview now that you've had time to settle looking back at what the Sens hauled in July. Yeah, it was, I, again, I feel like I say this word a lot when I describe the Sens offseason, but it was incredibly on brand for what you think yeah. Ottawa was going to do at a draft incredibly on brand. Like you knew they were going to reach from the beginning. You knew it wasn't going to be a, like a player in the range. I had different ideas in mind uh, at 10. I did not anticipate Tyler Boucher being picked at 10. Um, although I did anticipate Tyler Boucher get pick, getting picked at 37 with Ottawa. I thought that was a lock. Like when I, when I talk about it, I've been critical, not of Boucher as a player, of the fit of the value at 10 it's more like a that's just a like my personal like drafting value perspective with that um i love tyler boucher and in my opinion the fit in this organization offsets the value lost at that pick so i still think it's going to work like it can work out the problem is it's a bit risky for me to do this so yeah, he's absolutely a guy that's going to fit with this current core of Ottawa Senators, and I'm super excited to watch his development over the next couple of years because he's relentless. We've seen it. We saw him at the uh, like at the summer showcase. He is just exactly like you watch him play. It's like this is an Ottawa Senator player, like just physical in your face. Like yeah, he'll do some stupid things over <laughs> over the ice and like probably end up in the box a few times. But there's some skill there too. He's a solid player. Uh, he it still has a long way to go with his, the, like with his pop skills uh, overall, there's still a lot of room for growth, but I, again, we're drafting with the intention of these players growing. We're not drafting a finished product with Tyler Boucher. So I think he, he can complement this core really well, but where the risk comes in is if this core undergoes any sort of change, like a, Brady Kachuk departure or a, a, a any sort of organizational retool restructure within this. Now all of a sudden we've drafted an asset that's that fit a very specific brand that we're trying to play, and immediately would lose value if this brand goes out the window. So let's say we DJ Smith gets fired, we bring in a new coach that has a new mentality. All of a sudden Tyler Boucher does not fit this brand. And now we've used a 10th overall selection, a very valuable asset on a player that fits our system right now. So 
if we continue with this, if this is the direction that Ottawa goes long-term, that's a great, it's a great fit at 10th overall. And I totally get like, there's a lot more that goes on at the draft table and in the league than like we would like to think so on Twitter. Like it's like, everyone's like, Oh, we'll just trade down to get them. It's like, that's, it's not that easy. Like you can't just like uh, trade down. They knew, I remember Trent Mann coming out and saying they knew that Boucher was gone by 16. So they tried to trade down a bit. If it's not there, absolutely take your guy at 10. We'll not argue that if he's your guy, take him at 10. Uh, but like I said, any sort of slight change to this core, this group, or the mentality that they have right now, and now you're playing again. Now you've drafted a guy that has not much value around the league as a trade piece or uh, as just a fit with the organization. So it's a risky game, but I can I can appreciate it. I think it, the the idea is there, and I respect the fact that they are hard set on playing this style and will add people that help. To play with that so it's it's on brand i'm i'm cool with it yeah and, and i think that's kind of what we came around to is you know what this fits what they're trying to do and i've said it a bunch of times the sends are zigging when everyone else is zagging right like they've got their idea in mind and hey i'd rather you stick to your guns and fail that way than trying to be something you're not and to just trying to copy everyone else and you fail that way right so if they're gonna go this way then go this way and i think once you let the idea that he was picked 10th overall and you stop looking at the guys they passed on and that were picked right after him. If you just let all that go, you can be comfortable with this pick, like you were saying. So now my question to you, Jacob, is you talked about value there. So which of the Sens draft picks did you feel was the best value at where that player was selected in this draft? So the guy that I think is not just the most valuable pick, but also could be the best player out of this draft is Zach Stapchuk. I've I watched him notoriously in throughout like throughout the OH or the WHL season. So I, I I'm also an OHL scout, so I get those terms. It's all the CHL. But yeah, uh, yeah. the I watched the stat trick a lot, and I was actually in contact with Joel Henderson. I don't know if you uh, know him on Twitter, just a former former colleague of mine at Dauber, and Joel's our uh, was our WHL guy, and I was asking him asking him about him, and the stat truck fits exactly the style that Ottawa wants to play just with more speed and more offensive upside than Boucher. So to take a little bit of the notorious physicality out and add a lot of the actual playmaking, play driving ability, and that's what you're getting out of a stab chuck. I think he's an unbelievable player. Like I was watching him in the WHL. There's a couple highlights you can see. I added one in my article of him just going end-to-end, destroying a defenseman and ripping it. <laughs> ripping it around the goalie. Uh, so... He has a ton of skill to offer. I think he could be like one of those low key ones that, again, his point totals won't blow you away. They didn't do a ton uh, in the WHL last year, but this is an opportunity for him to have a huge breakout year. And he's he's six three, and he skates like incredibly well. So that in itself is a good asset to grab at thirty seven, a tall player who plays physical with some offensive upside. The value there makes a ton of sense. I don't. outside of the first round, I don't really care about what like the consensus board is because that's when the value kind of just take the guys that fit into your organization because you're not passing on other like massive offensive skill guys. I guess Aturati was still available. Like there's a couple of guys that were available, but I totally respect taking your guy and a stab truck fit exactly with what Ottawa is trying to do. Now with that, just with more 
of that offensive upside than what Boucher has. So I love the Ostapchuk pick. As soon as I saw that one, I'm like, this is this is a senator. This is a guy that's going, in my opinion, has the potential to play inside of our top six in the future uh, with that. So right behind Kachuk on that second line, if he was to play with Pinto and probably an insert right winger here that we acquire, because I'm thinking Batherson's going to be up with Norris and Kachuk uh, there. So Sodom in right behind even Timmy could play up the middle. I've heard rumors, like there's rumblings of that. We'll see what ends up happening. But yeah, a stab chuck has a ton of potential. The big flaw in his game right now is the consistency. He does a lot of the hard things well and the easy things not so well. So his passing ability is still like kind of hit or miss. So there's lots of room for growth in his game. But again, we don't draft players for what they are now. We draft them for what they can be. And a stab chuck has incredibly high potential. To that point as well, uh, what was it, 12 picks later or whatnot, and you said you covered the OHL, a guy who's put on 35 pounds since he last played a game in the OHL, Ben Roger. Um, I'm not going to ask you to break down his game because, again, it's been so long since he last stepped on the ice, but going into next season, what kind of role do you think he'll play on the London Knights? Ben Roger is a fun one. He These were the kind of picks that I was anticipating happening too, especially out of a team like Ottawa, where like, like physical attributes tend to play a bit of a larger role with us. So it, we've, as an organization, as just a hockey community, we've barely seen this guy play, especially at the OHL level. Uh, I watched him a bit in London. I am from the London area, so I'm, I grew up a Knights fan, so I was able to watch it. I love everything that they do in that organization. So he's definitely in good hands. Obviously, we've seen Formington come to the ranks. Uh, they did a good job with him. Uh, so I definitely, he he's more of like your stable, calming presence on the back line, kind of similar to what Tyler Clevin did at UND this past year, uh, a little bit more of just a de- defensive, stable guy. Uh, now Clevin did show some pretty cool moments there of offensive flair that people did not think he had uh, he had in him, but Uh, Ben Rogers probably going to end up being more of your defensive defenseman, classic guy, Um, never takes or doesn't take a lot of risk, but also is very, very reliable at the back from what I saw. Uh, And yeah, put on 35 pounds. This guy could be a completely different player from what I remember. Like when you look up his highlights or even I remember watching him uh, one game when I was watching Stranges and Evangelista and he, uh, he just looked like this really like tall, lanky defenseman. That, again, was good, decent puck mover, played very limited minutes on that team. And just like, yeah, that guy could be a fun guy to watch in his draft year. And then obviously everything shut down, so we didn't actually end up watching him. But he uh, he was a fun, he was fun to watch. And now I'm really looking forward to seeing how he takes that next step under Dale Hunter. But I'm thinking he's going to play in that, in that top four, if not more. And I'd even like to see him get a bit of power play time because I did notice his passing ability before. And I think he could quarterback a decent power play in the OHL. We'll see what ends up happening. But again, that's a pick where it's a wild card. He could have gotten, like he put on 35 pounds, but in terms of on-site, on-ice talent, he could be the same. He could be like way better. He could be like, it could be anywhere, but that's the fun in the 2021 draft. We don't know a lot of the players past the second round where it's just going to be a mess. Are the London Knights supposed to be, as they typically are, one of the class teams in the OHL this year? Bit of bit of a retool for them. They'll okay. still be good. They'll, they won't be a fantastic team this year. There's a couple other ones that I've got my eye on. Uh, there's a couple of players that I already can imagine in an Ottawa Senators jersey come the 2022 <laughs> draft. Uh, nice. They're watching, but uh, hit us with a name. Hit us with a name. I got so uh, his name's Gavin Hayes. Uh, he's from 
Flint. So he plays for the Firebirds. Uh, he's brother of Avery Hayes, so he's draft eligible this past year from Hamilton. Didn't get drafted. I like Avery Hayes, but you know it's a it's a mystery. Guys, great guys go get a great guys go undrafted all the time. So yeah, like Parker Kelly. Yeah, but uh, Gavin is a exactly what Ottawa plays, like except fast. He's a quick hockey player, but so assertive. If you watch his games in the Hoenke Gretzky, uh, he played on the first line there. And he's he's skilled, but he's he is always just a physical specimen on the ice. And you come in his area, he will knock you right on like right to the ice, and then he'll go like he'll turn the puck over and he's gone. Um, I see him more of a more as a complimentary player right now. Like he, he still has a lot of like the play driving ability to to uh, to improve on. Like his uh, his passing ability is still hit or miss, but he's got a good shot. He's always looking to get involved offensively, and then he's super physical. So I'm like, this This is an Ottawa Senator already. I guess this is exactly it. So I think he's going to have a high draft stock. I think he's going to be a first-rounder this upcoming this upcoming year. So depending on where we finish, he he's, could be wearing the red and black come, uh, come 2022. Yeah, well, that sounds exciting. But, uh, Jacob, if I know anything about the Ottawa Senators, if you think and hope they're going to select a player, they likely will not. So I hate to rain on your parade here, but that <laughs> might not happen. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch some OHL hockey as well. Uh, we've got a couple Sens prospects. We're going to be looking in Hamilton. Chandler Romeo is a guy that's going to be there. Levi Marilinen in Kingston. And then Ben Roger, like we mentioned, in London. So it's going to be a good year for the OHL to bounce back. Now, a final question for me. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us some of your time here it's been a great chat um just general question if the sends remain the way they are right now no major off-season changes other than re-signing their rfas where do you anticipate them finishing the season like what's your expectations if the roster stands pat here i'm cautiously optimistic about the season this year we are in a very tough division so i think that playoffs are still a bit out of reach just because like tampa bay boston florida toronto uh, are all there. Um, Florida's my dark horse team this year. I think they're, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're, they, they're a very good team. So our division's tough. Uh, we will not be in the bottom. I, and I think just the way that they play, we're going to be able to steal games. We are, we're always able to steal games off the Leafs. Like we'll, we'll go at least 50, 50 with them. Like that's never, that's never a concern. Like we'll grab games off of people. Uh, I think we'll be competitive this year, especially like throughout the league. We'll be competitive. It'll be nice to play teams outside of the North as well. Uh, and like I, we haven't seen Ottawa play a team from America since what was it, March 12th when we LA played Kings, yeah. 2020. Yeah, the Kings is the last game we've seen. So it'll be nice to see how we stack up against the entire league uh, with that. But I'm cautiously optimistic. I think people are going to improve on our team too. Like I'm looking for a big year out of Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzel. I'm hoping avoids the sophomore slump. But I also think I think he's become more like. He's a little bit more used to the North American game. You could see by the end of the season, he was way more comfortable than he was at the beginning of the season. So he could, Timmy could have a breakout year, uh, which would be fantastic. And then guys like Norris, Batherson, like they're all going to get a little bit better uh, with that. So I'm, I'm anticipating improvement. I think a lot of it will have to do with what happens in net. Like we saw it last year. The main reason why we went on our one 11 and one start was because our goaltending was horrendous. So if our goaltending is able to get sorted out, we're able to, they're able to keep us in games. I think we'll be able to have a good season. 
Um, I still think it's Matt Murray's net to start the year, and then we'll see what happens between Forsberg and uh, what do what do we call them? The Phil Philly Fanatic is that what you called them last episode? Philly franchise. Philly franchise. That's it. Philly Fanatics. The man. Anything <laughs> but Gus one, the yeah. Bus. No yeah. Gus the Bus. You don't like Gus. No, no, Gus no. Okay. Yeah, we we were canceling that one. Yeah, all right, Philly franchise. I can get behind it. There I'll we go. That. But uh, yeah, I I think between the two of them, even hey, Sogard, if he's in the AHL, maybe he hops up for a couple games. So uh, if we can settle the goaltending, I think it's going to be a competitive team this year with some push to them. If we end up finishing just outside the playoff race, that's so be it. We're not at our peak yet. We're not supposed to be up there yet, but. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking that that should be, it should be a fun season. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're looking forward to your coverage with Dauber Prospects. You can go follow Jacob on Twitter at Jacob M. Barker 12. Jacob, thanks a lot for joining us today. We'll have to do this again once the season gets going. No, it's my pleasure. I'll hop on whenever you guys want. All right, Pilsy. Let's drive on over to the final segment. And if your car's not working great, we know just the spot to get you ready to be back on the road. It's Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business, and they've been doing this for over 20 years. That is a seal of longevity well before their time. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil. You can even get your new carpet there. And when you go to RockAuto.com, you'll be amazed at the catalog. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate where you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Let's hold on on that last part for a bit. The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It might be a rhetorical question, but it's true. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And guys, it's Friday. We made it to the weekend. So why not fuel your weekend and get the most out of it? Get outside, do some outdoor activities, get some exercise going. And if you're going to do that, you want to make sure you're fueled up properly. And the best way to do that is with Built Bar Protein Bars. They're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but we have another new exciting flavor from the Built Bar catalog. And you might be thinking, there's already so many amazing flavors. How are they coming up with more? Well, the crew at Built Bar, they always got something good cooking up in the lab. And this is one that I feel like is one of the most underrated flavors and nuts ever used. No one uses them enough. Ross, I love pistachios. We got a pistachio built bar coming through for you guys. So you're going to get great flavor and you're going to get great protein. Only 160 calories, 17 grams of protein. You get that nice roasted goodness of pistachios in your protein bar. So if you want to give these a try, Head to BuiltBar.com today and use promo code LOCKED15. We're hooking you guys up with the promo code because we want you to get a chance to try these delicious protein bars for a little bit of a less price. And you can do that by going to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Go try a pistachio Built Bar protein bar today. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 
All right, Pilsy. We are now three years past the 2018 NHL draft. And that's when I think is the earliest that you can start looking back and saying, where should player ABC have gone? Now, Scott Wheeler put out his with The Athletic. And as much as we like to, you know, have some fun with where Scott Wheeler evaluates players and how he sees the Sens prospects, I do agree with how he sorted this out. Now, he's got Quinn Hughes going first. Does that surprise you at all? He was seventh in the draft. Not a massive surprise, just because if we're looking at uh, kind of the draft class here, Quinn Hughes has made probably the biggest mark and had the most impressive steps into the NHL, considering his position as a defenseman as well, right? Like Quinn Hughes, you could definitely argue, has had a better start to his NHL career than Rasmus Dahlin. Now, he was also put in a much better position to succeed than Dahlin, but the attributes on the ice are there regardless. So I, I think Quinn Hughes going first overall makes a lot of sense here. So second on his list. Now I just got to pull it up here. I dropped it for two seconds. Svechnikov. Stays the same. Yeah. Stays the same. And that's a, he's a great player. He's oh, awesome. Yeah. And, I and he's it, the guy Carolina needs. So that fit works as well. I mentioned it during the uh, interview with Jacob, but it seems like there's a report out of Russia that he's signing for eight years at around 8.5, give or take. So I wonder how that sets the tone for Brady Kachuk. Yeah, that's an interesting contract. If if that's if where it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's where it is, then I think Brady probably comes around right under there. Like I don't know if he could justify getting the same dollar amount as Fetchikov, but definitely in that area. Like I would say, yeah, an eight by eight for Brady based on that would make a lot of sense, right? Yeah, eight by eight would be a fantastic contract. I, I would love that yeah. from a oh, sense awesome. point of view. And then he's got Rasmus Dahlin slipping down uh, to number three. And that seems like the lowest that he would go. Therefore, leaving Brady Kachuk staying at number four in his redraft. Now, he, he did have uh, Brady at eight going into his pre-draft rankings. Uh, right behind Evan Bouchard, uh, who falls a little bit lower here. But uh, all in all, I think four is a, a pretty fair spot for him. Yeah, I, I, unbiased. I like Brady Kachuk at the number four spot in that draft. Yeah, it works out great. And for the rest of the, of the list, uh, just a couple notable ones. Everyone talked about Jesperi Kotkaniemi going a pick before him. In his redraft, Scott's got him going 10th behind a few other guys. And then he's got Philip Zadina at 11. So those were fallers. Meanwhile, Brady Kachuk rising, uh, considering where Wheeler had him, but staying exactly where he went in the draft. Now, the only other part of this for the Sens is Jacob Bernard Docker, who went 26th. In, in this dr initial draft, he's not even given an honorable mention spot in the top 35. Did that surprise you? A little bit, but also you have to consider like JBD hasn't had the, and I, I don't know every single guy's progression on this list, but he hasn't really had the chance to shine at a high competition level. Like he's been at UND. He only got a couple NHL games in where some of these guys have played NHL games, AHL games. So I think that gives them a little bit of more of a light there, but I, I think, you know what, it, it's fair that maybe JBD didn't make this list, but that doesn't undermine what I think JBD can do and what he can project to. Like, maybe he doesn't shine as much as some of the other prospects already, but he's a, a calm and steady guy. Like, I think he's not going to, there's not going to be a lot of hype and highlight videos around him, but what he does is all the little things right, and that ends up 
in in some of all of his parts, it's going to turn him into a really good defensive prospect. And one who's going to complement the offensive exactly. side yep. of the Sens' decor, which he doesn't have to be. If he's a 20-point guy year in, Sorry. year out, that's all good as long as he's got great gap control and can clear the front of the net as he gets stronger and stronger. So I'm not too worried about where he's got these guys ranked, but it is good offseason banter to get back and forth to pills you think we're gonna have a signing to discuss by monday i want to say yeah but i don't think so like what there's no timeline shift or there's no deadlines that would create any pressure to get a deal done right so i don't i don't think so this this isn't the time yet i think once september comes around then kind of every day we can start being like all right now there's only x amount of days till camp so something should happen soon but I think we're still in vacation mode. Like you said, I think a lot of these GMs are on vacation. The agents are on vacation. The the guys are, uh, the NHL players are on vacation. So I don't think the pressure is really on right now. Well, we'll find out by Monday. One thing we do know Monday, we're going to start our organizational value rankings. We've been teasing it for a while. We had a lot of fun doing it last year. And just going through, you see the turnover year after year. I put out the list of guys we ranked last year but who are gone this year, there's got to be at least 20 of the 64 guys at least. So it'll be fun to get back into those rankings, see what the movement is. We're going to do plus and minus the change where they were in 2020 versus now going into 2021. So stay tuned for all that. We'll also have our Send Central Citizen. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.